with God's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. I would like to begin, first of all, thanking First uh, Universalist and my dear friend, uh, Reverend Justin Schroeder, for inviting me to be with you this morning for worship. It is indeed an honor and a pleasure to be with you this morning. I have to say my spirit is lifted from the, the hymns and the songs. I, I feel very uh, at peace right now. So I would like to begin with a brief recitation from our scripture, the Quran, and I will translate it into English, the opening chapter of the Quran, Al-Fatiha, or the opening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahmanirrahim. Maliki Yawmiddin. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'een. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem. Sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Ghayri al-maghdubi alayhim With God's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. The praise belongs to God, the Lord, the cherisher, the sustainer of all the worlds. Most gracious, most compassionate, the sole judge on the day of religion. You alone do we serve, and you alone do we seek assistance. Guide us all upon a way that is straight, a way that earns your favor, not incur your wrath, nor let us be among those who go astray. Amen or Amin. A central theme in Islam, I speak to you today as a Muslim, but as your friend, and a central theme in Islam is the concept of unity. Unity or uh, tawheed in Arabic language, tawheed. It is the, the oneness of God and the unity of matter. The oneness of God and the unity of matter. And that all human beings, the whole of humanity is created equal despite our uniquenesses and special gifts from the creator. And we have our identity that is rooted first and foremost as human. We have particular identities as well. And it is said in scripture, I call all of you upon equality. 
I call all of you upon equality. So as I, I sit personally, I sit at the intersection of many identities. You may not have noticed, but I'm a black man. <laughs> but I'm also a Muslim. I'm a father, I'm a husband. I'm many things. I'm a man, a big man. I have a little what they call girth, I think they call it. <laughs> and all of these identities I carry with me every single day. I wake up with them, I go to sleep with them, I eat with them, I walk with them. And when I show up in the world, I bring myself with me. But there was a time when I came to know that me showing up in the world was disturbing to others. And I learned, not that I was said so openly or so plainly, but I learned through experience that my very presence makes some uncomfortable. So as a coping mechanism, as many would do, I learned how to shrink in order to make others feel comfortable. So I, I'm a animated person, those who would know me. But I had to be a little more contained for some. So they wouldn't take my personality the wrong way. My voice is, is deep and it's boisterous. I love this microphone, by the way. It's, it's <laughs> But by my very nature, I, my voice, it speaks. But for some, this could be perceived as a threat. I share this with you to help us to understand that many people, not just myself, many and others, have been made to feel as though they must shrink and not show their true selves to the world so that the world would feel more comfortable. The world would feel less threatened. The world would say, now you're okay. The great scholar W.E.B. Du Bois talked about African-American psyche and living what he called double consciousness. A double consciousness. The great poet and activist, Dr. Maya Angelou, in her poem, she described it as wearing a mask, wearing the mask. And the sustained trauma that takes place when you must be invisible because the world, the society has said, you're not okay. 
just recently, we saw the movie Hidden Figures. These great, wonderful women, scholars, and mathematics and engineering and all these things, and, and they assisted putting the first man on the moon. But I wasn't taught their story in school. Why are we just coming to know them now? Because someone finally said it was okay. I stand before you now as a Muslim. One of the 1.6 to 1.8 billion Muslims in the world, from all lands, all ethnicities, speaking a variety of languages. If we were to line up all the people around the globe, and I don't suggest you try to do this, <laughs> and we were to count, I would count one, two, three, four. Every fourth person would be a Muslim. Approximately 25% of the world's population accept Islam as a life. There's a lot of fear-mongering that's going on in this day. A lot of rhetoric that would pit one against another to incite uh, anger and fear of this large, diverse, very diverse in thinking and behavior and ethnicity and culture, but they would try to put us all in one box and make you fear me. The fear-mongering and scapegoating that goes on in our society for too many and too often is a sign of both intellectual laziness and intellectual dishonesty. Think of this. If 25%, one in four, of the world's population was inherently violent, was inherently violent, meaning that I have no other way to be, I'm, this is who I am inherently, then none of the three-fourths or 75% of the rest of the population would ever be safe. You couldn't be safe. I couldn't be safe. There would just be anarchy and chaos all the time at the hands of the 25%. But you don't see that. You don't see that. You see the, the, the work of a few that's casted a shadow over the many and is creating division between us. God says to us in scripture, come willingly or unwillingly, come willingly or unwillingly, but you will come. You will come. We see things in the world that disturb us. Many things have been referenced already this morning. Things ranging from environmental concerns like global warming, 
and the issue at Standing Rock. The killing of unarmed black and brown citizens by the police. Fair wages, affordable housing, immigration, health care for all, education disparities, food deserts in urban centers, issues of equity, hate crimes, divisive rhetoric to incite fears and anger. Do I need to go on? Okay. I believe that each of these issues are serious and must be addressed through several means of strategies and tactics. I believe that. But as I look through a lens of a prophetic lens, a prophetic lens, I see all of these things as a means to bring us together. to bring us back where we started on a footing of equality, created by God with the same rights, the same worth, the same potential, the same value, and the same responsibilities towards one another. Say injustice to any one of us is injustice for all of us. After we witnessed all of this oppression, all of this wrongdoing, after the anger, after the fear, after the frustration and shedding of tears, I ask, what do we do after we cry together? What do we do after we cry? I believe that we are living in the day of religion, a time prophesied, Yom Middin, as it's in Arabic language, Yom Middin. And it is a day in which things will become very clear. It was in days when stories of prophecy will come to fruition. It is a day that we will come to our best selves or we will perish. These things are coming to a head now. I believe that we're living in a time that has been prophesied. A time that was foretold by the great prophets and thinkers in traditions going by. We're living in a time of transparency where it is no longer acceptable for things to be held out of our sight, cloaked with, with darkness and mystery. It's a time of transparency we want to know, we want to see because we have a right to it. I believe that we're living in a time where our content must be true to our claims. Our content must be true to our claims. This time requires it. You say you are a person of principle. You say you are a person of convictions. You say you are a good person. We'll prove it. Yeah. Right. 
This is the time that is calling all of us, common people and, and nations, to the round table of equality, to look at each other in the eye, to not be fearing each other, to share our hopes and our dreams with one another, to share our struggles with one another, and to feel each other's pain. There's a story of Jonah in scripture. Eunice in the Arabic language is also in the Quranic text. And this story is the story of one who resisted his mission when he was being called by God. He resisted his mission. And he suffered greatly because of that. Many trials and tribulations over and over again. I believe this to be emblematic of individuals, communities, and nations who refuse to stand and meet the challenges of the time. Emblematic, just a symbol, a representation of what is to come when we refuse to meet the challenges of the times. Muhammad, peace be upon him, the prophet of Islam, he said, when you see a wrong, you change it with your hand. If you are unable to do so, he said, then you change it with your tongue. He said, if you are unable to do that, then at least dislike it or hate it in your heart. But know that that is the weakest of faith. That's the weakest of faith. So we are called by these prophetic statements. He was telling us that trouble will come. And he was also giving us a frame and a context for how we are to respond when trouble comes. And he was also giving us a capacity statement. If you could change with your hand, you should do that. You should physically change what you see being wrong. But you may not be able, your capacity might not allow for that to happen. Then you have to use the agency of your voice. And we have to be voices for justice, voices for peace, voices for just good common sense. They say common sense is not always common practice. <laughs> we are being called in the words of Finley Peter Doon. He said, we are called to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Those who are suffering, we are to be an aid, to be an assistance, we are to be a help to them. But those who are denying rights and acting as oppressive pharaohs on days gone by, then we are to make things very, very uncomfortable for them. Don't let them rest. Don't let them rest. All tyranny needs 
to gain a foothold is for people of good conscience to remain silent. That's all tyranny needs. Good people like you and I. I have an ask of you today. First of all, I want to ask you to, to be my guest in my space, in our place of worship, in our mosque, to come and to, you have an open invitation to come and visit, to visit, to worship, food and good conversation, food and fellowship. We want to extend an open invitation to you here. But further than that, I want to invite you and ask you to let us join together and do a tangible good for those who are in need. Let us find something that we can work on together. Muhammad, peace be upon him, he said, there are only three ways that you come to know a person. Either you live with them, and my house is not big enough for all of you. <laughs> Plus my wife, she may have a problem. You travel with them, or you work with them. You work with them. I am inviting us to roll up our sleeves together and be about a good work together. All is not lost. Yes, we hear news that is disturbing to us. The reports that come across our ticker at the bottom of our screen, sometimes we want to just shut it off. But I remind you as I conclude with a passage from scripture about the, the, uh, the oppressed and the oppressors. God says, but we eternally will bestow our favor upon those who were oppressed in the land making them leaders and inheritors, establishing them with authority, and through them showing the Pharaoh, Haman, and, and their armies from the oppressed the very thing that they feared. God uses the oppressed to show his glory. And he wants us to rise to our best selves and meet the challenges of today. It is a pleasure to be with you. May God's peace be with you.